Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we have a treat for you. We're going to dig into a merchant story. You're going to, need to hear the background of a very successful, very fun online store. And we're going to tackle a lot of stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about strategy and we're going to get tactical. And we may even talk about mindset and some of the things that, that trip us up as entrepreneurs. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited about it. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And in addition to this podcast, we want to be a resource for you, helping you accelerate your e-commerce growth. I have a few powerful resources that are yours for the taking. First, if you're an Amazon seller, we have two resources I think you might like. One is called our DSP Roadmap. If you're considering Amazon DSP, it's a special type of Amazon display ads, which has some targeting features that will blow your mind. Uh, get our Amazon DSP Roadmap. If you're interested in sponsored brand video, formerly Video and Search, check out that guide. On the Google side, we have the ultimate guide to Google Shopping. This is a guide I wrote several years ago, but we got some updated information. Now you can get free Google Shopping listings. This guide will help you in that process. We also have our top YouTube ad templates. I think you're going to love that one. And then the guide to getting authentic customer testimonials. All of these give you detailed information on how to make these things happen. Very valuable, but also very free. Check them out, omgcommerce.com. Click on resources and guides. Check it out for yourself. And now, back to the show. I have with me today the co-founder and CMO of Mission Meets. He's also the host of the Live Your Mission podcast, Mr. Peter Awood. Peter, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show, and, and thanks for coming on. Doing great, man. That was quite an intro. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Uh, and so quick, quick, interesting story. We, um, Peter and I met through a mutual friend, Andrew Udarian. Shout out to our good buddy there. What's up, man? And... Uh, so you and I were on a, on a call, a virtual call, right? Talking about Google ads and talking about your business. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you were like, hey, I live in Dana Point. And I was like, well, weird. I, and I live in Missouri. I think a lot of people know this podcast. I live in Missouri. And I said, well, I'm going to be in Dana Point like three days from now. And so <laughs> we, we were, not, we're not planning on it. We ended up having lunch in person, which is crazy. Yeah, it was and, crazy. Uh, so that was, that was a ton of fun. But uh, lots of cool stuff to talk about. Let's, let's do this first. Uh, explain to everybody what is Mission Meets. What do you guys offer? What's unique about it? And then, and then we'd love to rewind the clock a little bit and hear kind of the, the origin story as well. Yeah. In a nutshell, man, we're super clean meat snacks, uh, serving people that just need something portable. that's high protein, low carb, um, keto, all those buzzwords. And so meat sticks, bars, jerky, that whole line. And so if you're familiar with- Which Slim has really Gyms, become a, a trend. I mean, that's- and, yeah. and, I think I, and I think I told you, we and, and I know about your brand because it's before I met you, but- uh, my wife and I went on a hike in the Grand Canyon and uh, super dry, like, you know, drained of electrolytes. And so we ate meat snacks and coconut water. And like, that was the perfect mm -hmm. combination. We felt like, you know, a million bucks. And so meat snacks, I'm a huge fan and it's a big trend. Yes, totally, man. Totally. And, and I mean, when we started the business. I just, I've, I've always loved jerky. I've always loved snack, meat snacks. Right. And, but grew up on Slim Jims, which was just, you know, not necessarily clean. Right. That's so. a good for you. I mean, if you're, if you're a professional wrestler, 
that it's good for you, right? Uh, who was their who was their spokesperson? Do you remember? <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great, man. That's brilliant marketing. But yeah, in turn, when it comes to clean meat snacks, I don't think I don't think that probably qualifies. No, no, I won't dog them here. But yes, sure. they're totally conventional. You know, yeah. artificial color, nitrates, all that stuff. Yeah. So, so how does one get into the meat snack business? How did this all begin? Yeah. It's just all good stories start with an accident, right? I mean, it's just yep. by accident, right? I never thought I'd be in the food business, CPG, all that stuff. But um, I'm an old e-commerce guy. I've been in e-commerce since 2000, selling auto parts. And then from there- Dude, that is know, that is real OG, uh, 2000. That's that's old. Right? For yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. It was the, the category I was in when I, we first listed like on eBay. Uh, I think we're like one of four listings or something like that. There was yeah, nothing- e- And eBay was top dog back then too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It totally was. And that was also another accident for another- We can tell that story another day, but- um, you know, I did that, um, started, you know, um, SaaS company, which is a huge failure. We did all kinds of stuff. But anyways, um, several years ago, about six years ago, I knew I wanted to have a business that we started from the get beginning that had a mission focus, a mission component, right? And it didn't need to be like the marketing focus, but we knew we wanted it baked in. Um, but I didn't know what I was going to do with that idea. So I just kind of put it in my back pocket. Um, Fast forward several months, a friend of mine that was also in CPG, also in Meat Snacks, um, he was exiting and I had worked with him a little bit on it and I had some insight into the business and I also just loved that sort of product. And so um, he was like, man, you'd be really good at this, something you should think about. But I didn't know anything about it. I don't know anything about animals and agriculture and like, I just, I'm a Florida boy living in Iowa, right? It seems really, it seems really complex too. Like just thinking about it, it seems daunting, you know? It, and it is, right? It's like, so I don't know how to source these materials and where to get them produced. Or I, I didn't know anything, right? Okay. But I also happen to have a friend of mine that is an Aggie, who's now my co-founder, right? Um, who had all the experience I didn't have. And I have all the experience he didn't have, right? So we're just like perfect compliments, like match made in heaven, I always say. And so talking with him, it turned out, just fast forward a few months, that we both wanted to start the same business. We both had similar ideas for the name. We both wanted to have a mission component baked in. We also, oddly enough, had same ideas for, for logo, like almost identical. We had <laughs> both hand sketched separately. Crazy, crazy yeah. right? Yeah. And so um, him and I started chatting and the, the rest is history, man. We order our first palette and we, 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 uh, we hit the ground running, so. That's yeah, that's, that's, so, that's so cool. I, I personally love partnerships. I think they can be fantastic. They can also be a nightmare. We hear lots mm-hmm. of nightmare partnership stories, but I think if you have the, the right partner and you guys are really complimentary, like you guys talked about and all those other things, it can be great. A quick funny story. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, probably three years before we started OMG, my business partner, Chris Brewer and I, I I'd worked, I'd done some projects for Chris and we kind of done a few things together. And I just remember telling my wife, like, hey, I, I don't think I ever want a business partner, but if I did, Chris Brewer, I, I could partner with that guy. I trust that guy. Any, anyway, yeah. anyway, ended up being business partners, and it's all been it's all been uh, really good. Awesome. And so, so let's talk a little bit about the mission component. So, your mission meets you and your co-founder. You wanted a mission component. Uh, how is that baked into the company? Why is that important to you guys? Just talk about what that looks like a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So we've we committed in the beginning at minimum ten percent of of profits 
Then we're going to go to organizations um, that were doing amazing things in the world. And, and so in the beginning, I had a friend of mine that had taken thousands of people to Africa. She's a missionary running an organization, like amazing person. Her name is Jody. And I call her up and say, hey, I'm going to start this food business. I want to um, support uh, food-related organizations, you know, relief-related organizations. What do you think? And she said, I hate it. I said, okay. Not the response you were expecting. I'm like, all right, tell me more. Yeah. And she's like, I think that you're a founder and you should support organizations that are giving people um, the opportunity to lift themselves up instead of just like going in and supporting a food program. So food programs are great, but I think you should support organizations that are like more entrepreneurial. And so um, our first uh, mission organization is called Educate. They're out of Uganda and they take kids in high school and college and they put them through an entrepreneurship program, essentially, where in the end, they'll have a business to support themselves or maybe even support a few employees and support their community in that way. Um, And since then, we partner with Perspectives in Minneapolis, the Women and Children's Home, helping people get off the streets, but also they're very, very strict. Like they help you eventually support yourself and they're like, hey, you're not going to live here forever. Like you are going to figure out how to support yourself and you're going to leave this place one day. You're like, you're not staying here forever. This is not yeah. a career for you. Yeah. And so that's how it's been baked in from the beginning. And we've got a multitude more that we support. It's so cool. I love it. And, and we uh, personally, you know, been invested in, in mission work and, and as a company we have as well. And it was so interesting. It's been a number of years now, not, not exactly the same story, but I remember uh, talking to a guy who ran an orphanage in Haiti. And this was around the time when they had big earthquakes and he talked to, and I said, well, all this relief, it's got to be really good. And he's like, no, man, it's price set us back a hundred years. And I, and I think that, that may be an exaggeration, but he said, you know, what, what can happen is sometimes you get all this relief and just squashes the local economy. And mm-hmm. now, now they're no longer self-sustaining. So what you think is charity and compassion, you're actually crippling. And so, so it's not something you don't help. You just help strategically and you help, you help with, with micro loans and you help entrepreneurs and you help feed sustainability uh, in those communities. Exactly. That that creates lasting change. That was like this huge aha moment to me. Like we can't just throw money at at a problem or throw food, you know, to a part of the world. Um, You got to be strategic to to really create a lasting impact. Agreed. So so that's fantastic. It does seem like, you know, this mission component has become, it is also like meat snacks has become popular. Or you got Tom's giving away shoes uh, and, and, uh, you know, all these other companies that, um, you know, it's also become kind of a marketing play as well. Mm-hmm. It seems like for you guys though, like that was, that was more of a, a passion and a calling for you guys rather than just a, a marketing ploy. No doubt. I mean, Nick spent three years in Haiti. Uh, Melissa, my wife and I, have, we've gone on a couple of mission trips and, um, like even perspectives in Minneapolis, we've taken the kids there and like they packed backpacks with us yeah. uh, for their summer backpack program. Like it's just one of these things that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of built, it's baked into who we are and we wanted it to be part of the company that we are building. And um, this is also why it's not really, it's not at the forefront of our marketing. Like it's it's there. And if you like that, cool, we win. We, this is what we've got. But if it's just, you're just here for clean meat snacks, we're going to win too. Um, and so we didn't want it to be like, hey, you know, come support our mission. And by the way, we've got these meat snacks. Like it couldn't be that way. Um, and that came with the advice uh, from the advice of other friends as well. And you can do that. Um, and maybe most people might not even care about it, but it's, it's who we are. And we're going to bake it into the company that we're building. Yep, that's fantastic. I love it so much. Yeah, we we've really spent a lot of time investing in. There's a, there's an organization called I Pour Life that we're a huge fan of. They help mm. develop at risk younger adults, uh, build life skills, and help them get jobs and stuff like that. And they also help um, uh, widows in Corey, Africa, become you know start their own businesses. And so we're we're helping with that. Just really cool, sustainable stuff. 
Um, well, let's let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk strategies. I want to I want to hear your thoughts. I think it's always so fascinating to talk to merchants and figure out you know how you view different key topics in e-commerce. And then after we talk strategy a little bit, we're going to get into some tactics as well. And so I first want to hear your your philosophy on Amazon. I know you guys sell you do a lot of volume on Amazon. Mm-hmm. How do you view Amazon? Are you are you uh, you know full assortment? On your website, full assortment on Amazon. Are you full speed ahead with with growth on Amazon, or do you view Amazon more as a necessary evil, and you need to be there to, to capture that demand? What's what's your overall strategy with with Amazon and your own website? Yeah, um, it's definitely changed over time, as all good strategies should, right? So yeah, we've yeah. got one thing and we believe in it. And if you heard me talk on a podcast two years ago, I'll probably say something completely different now. And it should be that way, right? Like, but that's the, that's sign of a good entrepreneur, though, right? When the <laughs> when the I love the the you know we all have this sometimes this tendency to like consistently hold on to something, but when the data changes, our opinion should change, right? And that's, that's the way yes. it should be. Absolutely. And then with all the stuff with Corona, it's like, hey, man, I, I remember joking. I might, I think I even said this to you. It's like all the things that, you, that were conventional wisdom, they're not anymore. It's like right, you, right. you got to test everything now because the stuff that didn't work before that absolutely you, you would have said would never have worked. Well, now it's working now. Like things that we offer now, I would never have thought would work before. And right. now we're like, well, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And it works, you know, sometimes it doesn't. Um, for, for Amazon, man, I think it, it's a necessary evil. I think there's, there's so much traffic there. I think that people's eyeballs are there that you should absolutely be there. Um, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. I think for, at least for our category, you, you need to be there. Um, it's definitely a great customer acquisition channel for us. As far as our assortment, um, the thing that's changed for me is that I felt like I'm just going to put everything everywhere, right? So we have everything on the Amazon. We've got everything on the website. And if you want to shop directly from us, cool. If you want to go directly to Amazon, because that's where you shop for everything, great. Um, and where I've changed there is that, um, you know, especially throughout this year, and as Amazon's like fulfillment service has been up and down, like right now as we're talking, delivery is terrible. Inbound shipments is awful. Like, I don't know what's going on over there, but it's just, it's terrible, right? Um, and, and so... Uh, as, as that has changed, we've, we've realized like, man, we can probably offer, we can offer a much better service level on the website. And then we also are much more nimble. And so we can merchandise in ways that Amazon won't let you merchandise or that you can't get eyeballs in front of people or get in front of eyeballs. And so um, we offer bundles and packages and limited edition products on the website that we're just never going to offer on Amazon or we're not planning on to undoing. And so um, that's been our opinion. Um, but to be, I know, and there's plenty of brands that have decided that there's not going to be on Amazon at all, and that's fine. I feel like, it's, it's, at least for our category, that that's kind of a huge mistake. Yeah, I I fully agree. I do I do think a, a case can be made uh, that hey, we want to build our own website and and build our own customer base first, and then we'll also offer our products on Amazon. Or hey, there may be some brands that that can do really well uh, apart from Amazon altogether. Mm-hmm. But when you consider that. 50%-ish of e-commerce, maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a little less, is on Amazon. I know a lot of people, like as you look at the older demographic, you know, my parents, my in-laws, as they start to shop online more, a lot of times they're just, they're just shopping on Amazon. That's it. Like you, you have to consider it. But I actually like, I like the approach that you guys have where you're looking at, hey, so we got these, these limited edition products, these special bundles, these unique things we're doing on our site. And one thing we noticed, and that this was this was really, this was really the spotlight was shined on this during the the lockdowns, is 
you know, when when ship times are delayed on Amazon or, you know, some of that messaging changes, people will go to Google then and search for your brand there. Yeah. Uh, we yep. saw this huge spike with, with, with several of our, our clients, some in the supplement space and some in the um, educational space and a few others. But uh, whenever the lockdowns got real nasty and, and Amazon was delaying shipments, we started to see a spike of, you know, brand name, two-day shipping, people searching for that on Google. And so you got to diversify, but I've even, even some, some good friends of mine, they were always like, nah, we're just going to keep waiting on Amazon. They're, they're going on Amazon now. And I think it's more about just, just being smart and having control. So um, any advice you would give, like how do you protect your brand on Amazon? How, how do you avoid some of the, the, the negative side of Amazon, whether that's, you know, knockoffs or fear that Amazon's going to, you know, steal your business or like, like how, how do you, how do you capitalize on the traffic and try to mitigate some of the, the downsides of being on Amazon? Yeah. So being an old automotive guy, I understand all the knockoffs. And I also understand as a reseller where, you know, if you are a reseller, you're just one of many and it's really hard to get the buy box and you're just like a race to the bottom, all these problems, right? But as a brand, especially in the food space, it's like there's not necessarily a knock, like you can't knock our stuff off. Like it's not you so your own easy brand. to go knock off yeah. a beef stick, right? Yeah, that's I mean, you can have your own. Yeah, you know, you can have your own and that's fine, um, but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to necessarily knock ours off. Um, but we do not let any of our resellers, any of the people that we wholesale to sell on there. Um, we're not going to compete with you in that space. I don't want to deal with maybe someone shipping some product in that's commingled with ours that is going expired. Um, we just don't want to deal with any of that hassle. And so we, we definitely don't let anybody else sell on our listings. Um, and so we don't deal with any of that stuff either. Um, and of course, I mean, you want to be brand registered and have that little bit additional extra protection. Although that's also proving not totally foolproof. It's um, not, no. But no, it's still, it's still of, a must. It's still a must, but there's plenty of times where we're like we're dealing with an issue right now where they're like, oh, well, you can't really change it, and um, it's something in our listing. It's like, well, it's it's ours, and we're brand registered, and I don't understand your response, but okay. yeah, 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 You're Amazon, yeah. and so whatever, yeah, <laughs> so whatever, yeah, yeah, cool. And so, um, are you guys primarily FBA, so fulfilled by Amazon? You fulfilled by Merchant, or are you uh, doing any any vendor stuff, any any one piece stuff? We're not doing any one P um, for the same reason as far as like, if you want to have some control, we're not selling right. to Amazon yeah, and they're going to, you know, so we're not doing any of that. Um, and we mostly FBA, um, we have, because of what we sell, we've got multiple pack sizes and everything. And so it's like almost impossible to stock everything. Um, and so uh, the, the fast movers, of course, they're in FBA and otherwise um, we're doing fulfilled by merchant on the rest of that product. Cool, cool. So you're you're the CMO, you're a marketing guy. You know, I've been doing this since 2000, which is amazing. Um, as you guys are pushing for new customer acquisition, you're reaching cold audiences, reaching you know new customers. Are you primarily pushing them to your site, and then just with the idea of okay, but then if someone sees that, they go to the site, and then they just want to see if it's on Amazon. We'll capture them there if they go there. Or are you also aggressively growing on the Amazon platform? How, how do you kind of uh, what's your philosophy on on new customer acquisition? Yeah, we're only driving to the website right now. So for paid, I mean, we're just uh, we're driving everything to the website now. There's new attribution uh, options with Amazon where we, yep, now you yep. can you can measure right, um, and so that might change our opinion moving forward. I mean, up until now, it's always been like, okay, well, 
we're going to bleed some of these people to Amazon, but that's okay. We're creating brand awareness and then our branded search is going to go up and um, that branded traffic is going to go up on Amazon. Let's see if we can still make the, um, the, the ROAS work. Um, but at the same time, it's like we're creating a, and we're, you know, as we all are, we're trying to improve our, our way to capture and keep people on that website versus bleeding over to Amazon, right? And so whether that's, you know, free two-day shipping or free one-day shipping, um, which is stuff that we're working on right now, actually, um, to 95% of the country um, or customer service or live chat or what, what you know, uh, points, re- points and rewards programs, whatever it is, um, subscribe and save to keep people there. Um, we're, we're kind of focused on that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think, man, if you, can, if you can speed up that delivery time and if you get someone to order once, like that, the repeat orders and then you guys, you guys are Shopify, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've had several merchants now that I've got everything saved on Shopify. I, you know, I like the shop app. It's kind of handy. Mm-hmm. And so getting those repeat orders is, is, is really quite simple, quite easy. Um, so, so I want to talk about a few things related to what you just said. So the Amazon attribution piece, and that's something where our Amazon department's working with that a lot. We are in a lot of cases, we're, you know, uh, take Google ads as an example. We, we run most Google ads, obviously to the com right to the, to our clients sites. But we also look at, hey, what if someone's searching for our brand and then Amazon or maybe a competitor and then Amazon? And so then we're like, someone's identifying themselves as an Amazon buyer. Then we want to maybe run a Google ad, but send it to the, the Amazon listing or the Amazon storefront or whatever. Uh, is that kind of what you're talking about, but using Amazon attribution to help track that through? Yeah. And we have not done that yet. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I love that, right? Because you're not going to change their mind. It's like, it's like similar to conquesting. It's like, you know, conquesting is like, the ROAS is going to be lower and you, you're trying to change people's mind. Like, oh, they're looking for that brand. Let me get my brand in front of them. Um, trying to steer somebody away that's an avid Amazon user, yeah. the person yeah. that's got multiple packages showing up every day, this guy over here, um, <laughs> yeah. and probably you. Um, it's hard for to sure. change that, right? Because you yeah. just know what to expect. But you, you, did, you touched on it earlier, Brett. It's like that tide did shift a little bit. And it's a little wonky right now um, with not knowing like, oh, is my package going to show up today or am I going to go to Amazon and it shows like a five additional day lead time? And so the tide has shifted a little bit and I think it's created an opportunity for us to like get out of our seat and fix some things that maybe you weren't focused on because you felt like you were going to, you know, bleed those folks to Amazon because that the tide has definitely shifted back a little bit. It has. And it's been one of those... You know, I mean, Amazon, obviously, Amazon, a huge beneficiary of this shift to more, you know, increased online mm-hmm. consumption. But because it was so much traffic went there, yeah, smaller merchants really benefited as well. And I think, again, once someone makes that initial order and they see how easy it is, and then they're likely to, to reorder. And yeah, uh, to your point about multiple Amazon packages, I asked my wife the other day, Brittany, I said, um, like, how many days out of the week do you think we get an Amazon package? And she's looked at me, she's like, and most, yeah. <laughs> most days. So I think that may mean every, but uh, yeah, it happens. And so that's where I think with that strategy we we're talking about before, where if someone identifies themselves as I'm an Amazon shopper, you're probably not going to change their mind. You could try, uh, or you could also, you know, not fight that uphill battle and just say, well, great, though, I'm going to capture you on, on Amazon totally. and, and go that route. So um, let's talk a little bit about, about some of your acquisition strategies. What, what have you found to be most most powerful, like what what traffic strategies work for um, you know a meat snack business? Yeah. So here's what's tough about us. Is I'm going to give you one of the worst answers ever in marketing. It's like, <laughs> oh, our, our like somebody's you know. I think you maybe even asked me this when we met, Brett. It's like, well, who eats the stuff? I'm like, everybody. 
Which and is the worst thing That ever. may on the surface sound like, oh, that's easy. No, it's yeah. actually no. harder that way. It's yeah. terrible, right? So it's like, oh, I've got busy moms. I've got busy executives. I have people that lift. I have people that hike. I have people that rock climb. Like, you name it, we cover it, right? I mean, we sold a ton to preppers during during coronavirus, like spikes, you know, as far as the quarantine and stuff. I mean, so it's all over the board. And so for us, um, you know, I, I don't know if I point to one thing, but I think that for us, what's worked really, really well is is targeting affinity groups um, and really feeling like, okay, finding out like who in these affinity groups are actually spending that are looking for the products that we offer and just churning through them, right? So we may be focused on camping one week and hiking the next um, and um, just kind of churning through all these different affinity groups and finding out what it is that's working for them. Um, and then on top of that, what's been interesting is like, bundling um, packages that are also uh, appealing to those affinity groups. And so we put together, you know, we actually are targeting people that like spicy products and we're putting together spicy bundles. Mm. Um, and, and so you got me there, buddy. You got, you, got me, <laughs> you got me intrigued now. I uh, I am a spicy food fan for sure. And hot sauce. Oh dude, love hot sauce. Collect well, we've hot got, sauce. We've got, we've got a Carolina Reaper jerky I can send you, man. Is it Reaper jerky you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude, I'm all over that. I'll, I'll repay you somehow. Uh, sounds amazing. Um, yeah, so what's really interesting there, you know, I think some companies may say, okay, hey, we're the... And actually, you and I were just talking about this before we hit record. I was talking about David Ogilvy, mm -hmm. you know, one of the, the fathers of, of modern advertising. And back in the 60s, I believe, maybe 50s, he uh, got the Dove Soap account. And Dove Soap was just kind of like, you know, focusing on cleanliness and antibacterial and all that stuff. And he said, no, 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 I don't think that's our market. I think we need to make this like the, uh, the luxury bar. And like, uh, this, this is a, an escape from your problems, right? And I'm actually butchering because I don't remember the exact tagline now, but they, you know, all, all the, the, the pictures were like a woman in a bath, you know, using Dove. And this is like the, the relaxing luxury bar, whatever. Um, so you, you could look at a product and say, hey, we're just going to focus all of our branding at this one niche, right? This one category. Or you could say, well, no, that doesn't make sense long term because the same meat stick could appeal to busy mom or CrossFitter. Uh, so in that case, we'll just speak to them, but speak to them not with one blanket message, but with a tailored message to them. And that's easy now or easier with Facebook and YouTube targeting things like that. So yeah. yes. uh, I, I like that approach a lot. So so tackling that problem of, hey, it's kind of hard to be everything to everybody. So don't do that. Um, get a tailored message to those individual audiences. Yeah, because what are you looking for, man? I mean, you're looking for conversion, but you need click-through first, right? And the, the way that you're going to increase click-through is by being relevant to that audience that you're serving to. Um, and so just kind of like working backwards from the goal of open your wallet, please, and buy my stuff to how can I get you to even click through to what I'm serving up? Yeah, excellent. Any any interesting takeaways? I know you guys have done well on Facebook and stuff. Any any interesting uh, ad approaches or, or or unique offers or any, anything that's been uh, kind of interesting of late? Um, I don't have something super interesting, but I do find something fascinating. Is that it's the it's a lot of times it's the creative that you thought would be the worst. Sometimes it turns out to be the best, <laughs> yeah. right? So like um, Janelle, who's my counterpart, who who helps me with a lot of the stuff, and she's really probably the brains behind this, and not me. But um, she she was like, I was we were going through some of the creative and um and some it's, it's some of the data, and she's like, look at the photo that's winning right now, and it was like the ugliest. It was like a, it was meat sticks in a wooden bowl. I, I hate the photo. Like, I can't even look at it now. I hate it. But like out of the, the 10 that we were serving up, like that one, for some reason, I still don't even understand it, Brett. Like, why do you, why is that interesting to you? Like, why does that get you to stop scrolling? 
why are you clicking through on that ugly photo? Yep. I don't really, yep. maybe, maybe you can relate to it. Maybe you're like, oh, I got an empty bowl with no snacks on my counter and I would like for it to be full like that one. I'm not sure. And so <laughs> to me, and we all know this already, it's like you kind of don't, you can go in with an ed educated guess of what's going to work, but you really got to throw in some outliers there to say, okay, well, I hate this photo. Maybe there's something about it that's going to resonate and try them because you just, yeah. you really just don't know. Yeah, I love it. I think it's, I think it's a, a, the difference between being right and getting it right, right? Sometimes entrepreneurs, we want to be right. So we want to say, oh, this is the image that I think is going to be best. So we want to just push that and only run that versus this is what I think is going to be right, but I'm also going to test these other things. And, and at the end of the day, I want to let the data speak and I'll go with whatever, whatever image, whatever ad is working. Like that's what I'm going to go with. And yeah, uh, yeah man, it happens. We just happened with an automotive client recently where we, we kind of restructured, retooled a couple of their ads and, and, and some of the ones we retooled really worked well. But there's this one variation that I was like, I don't really like that because there's this one part where this, with like, like an actor in here that does a really bad job, like a really bad actor. And uh, we were all just cringing at it, but we're like, well, we'll run it, you know, and, and it was the winner. And so we're like, okay, this pain, it's painful for me, but I don't care. Like I want the CPA. I want to be able to scale this thing. So, and, so and let's talk about that just really, really quick. I don't want to, I don't want to glaze over it. Like you, this to me is the difference between, um, um, the folks that get it and the folks that don't. And, and what I mean by that is like, you got to leave ego. Yes. Like you, you can't have it, right? And so Nick and I talk about it all the time. Like, I don't really and care. And Nick's your co-founder, right? My co-founder. Like, I don't really care if I'm right. And I don't care if he's right. I want what's right for the company, right? And I want what the customer is actually going to like show us and vote with their wallets and show us like, this is what we want. Like whether it's a product or service or ad group, whatever. And so you've got to really like... To me, I think early on, you got to remember, like, this is not about you winning. This is not about, this is not about being right. This is not about your ego. Like, forget yep. that. Leave that at the yep. door. We just need what's best for the company, right? Yep. And when you can do that, then you can think more creatively, I think. 100%. I love it. It is so interesting. Actually, that, that quote of, of being right versus getting it right. I actually heard that applied to Steve Jobs. And a lot of people think, you know, Steve Jobs, like, huge ego, you know, really push for things. And, and, and those assessments are probably true. But... Uh, heard someone said he he always got it right and and he was very opinionated. He would push and push and push for his opinion. But if the evidence was stacked up that showed that he was wrong, or if you or if he would sometimes just push his employees just to see if they would push back, and if they pushed back hard enough and it made sense to him, he'd be like, okay, fine, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go that right. And in in the end, he he like he usually got it right. Um, and so yeah, it's it's just super super important. Um, Let's talk about a couple of things. So you mentioned you mentioned bundles. You mentioned you know getting getting someone to to buy again on your on your site. Anything interesting or, or any tips for getting more repeat purchases? And you sell a consumable that's very tasty, so that helps for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah, and that was real like to me a real big appeal in starting the company is like you can build that relationship over time, which to me is really exciting. I like talking, as you can see. I like yeah. talking to people. I like developing that relationship, and so instead of it being a one-off purchase, it's like really to me really really fun. Um, and so we offer subscriptions on the site. Um, we offer a, a ten percent discount if you get on a subscription. Um, we promote that pretty heavily. Um, and then um, you know if you if you're on our email list and and typically we're marketing to to repeat purchasers, we will release a new product um, or a limited edition product or offer a sale to people that are we consider super fans first. And yeah. so if if you have hit a certain threshold that we've set um, in in Clavio, then you're going to get this um, you're going to get this promotion or deal before anybody else. And so we try to do that. We're encouraging. Um, 
and you're and you're letting them know that as well, right? You're letting them know, yes. hey, you only you're the only one that has access, or you're part of a select group that has access to this new offer. We do, we do. Which the cynical side of me is like, yeah, if I got that email, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You sent this to ten thousand people, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I'm not that special, but we we do do that. So they they know they've hit it, and then we also have a rewards program, and so. Um, you know, very quickly, you can get a 20% discount, which is heavy for us. We don't usually um, discount that far. Um, and so just to encourage that repeat purchase rate. Um, so how, how, does your, how does your course. reward program work? And 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 because I've seen, I've seen some companies that really do that well. In fact, I got an email from a, a supplement company where I, I made a bunch of orders for a while. And then I've kind of tapered off one because I still have a lot of product left. But I got this this email saying, hey, you have X number of reward points and hey, that's enough to get one of these things free. And I'm like, well, maybe I should go like check it out and, and get that, <laughs> that thing. You know, yeah. um, how do you guys run your rewards program? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a point, it's a point system, which they all are. And then at certain thresholds, you'll get a discount, right? So you can use your points and redeem them for a dollar amount at any time, or you can save them up and get a 20% discount coupon, or you can save them up and get a free sampler pack. Um, those are the way that it works. And then we, we have them tied into the reviews. And so if you leave us a review, you'll get additional points. If you follow us, you'll get additional points. Um, all those things to increase engagement and try to just like build the greater ecosystem. Yeah. And when, when do you, how do you kind of promote the rewards program? Is that something you talk about right out of the gate or, or does that come like after purchase number two or, or what, what is, how does that look? Yeah. So on the thank you page, I believe, because this is changing all the time, as you know. Yeah. Um, hopefully you're testing, yeah. split testing, all that. Yeah. Right. So I, on the thank you page, we encourage them to create a rewards account um, so they can get, so they can redeem, essentially get the points for the purchase they just made. Um, so we feel like that's the best way to onboard them. It's like, hey, you just made a purchase. Don't you want the points? And you can sign up here. Um, and that's just kind of a, a couple of clicks and, they, and they've got that account. Um, and then we're promoting that um, with the, the, the rewards program we use is called Smile. Um, and so Smile's got a widget. And so all the emails we send out have a section um, that's dynamic that'll show if you're, if you're not a rewards member, it'll say, hey, don't you know we have this? Um, and if you are, it'll actually show your points balance on there and that you can redeem them. So that's what we're doing. Very cool. What are you doing to incentivize? I know you're doing the 10% discount. What are you doing to incentivize subscription? Any any interesting things you're doing on page and or email follow-ups? You know, maybe after someone makes one or two purchases, how are you pushing subscription to, to them? Yeah, we're promoting them on a regular basis just cause as far as our like on our editorial calendar, we have them scheduled to send out um, to market those. Um, and sometimes as another snippet on um, like a promotion that we're running, we'll say, don't you know, you can save an additional. So if we're running a 10% sale on, on product, like all the spicy, we just ran a, a sale on all spicy. And we'll say you can save an additional 10% if you subscribe. Um, so that's what we're doing. It's nothing super fancy. Yeah, but that's great. So the uh, save an additional 10% if you subscribe, you're doing that in the in the cart, like as they check out, or are you doing that in an email afterwards? We're doing that in the email afterwards. Now, um, and this is, we're about to get this built because it seems simple on the surface, but it's super complicated. Um, like just a one-click checkbox in the cart for you to be able to switch over from this one-time subscription yeah, that you've yeah. added over. Um, so we're working on that. We're working on some on-page um, kind of um, silent nudges, we're calling them, to, to get you to move over into the subscriptions. Um, uh, so th those are the things we're doing. What I find fascinating about subscriptions is that it's pretty dang clear. It's right there. There's price. And then there's a one-time purchase price. And there's a and we'll have people on the live chat say, how, how do I subscribe? I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, like it's, 
It's the button. That it's says the button. Subscribe. It's, it's right it's, in front of you. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. How do I say this without sounding snarky? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's really interesting to me, uh, just heard Ezra Firestone, a friend of mine, talking uh, recently about subscriptions and you know uh, his core business is Boom by Cindy Joseph. It's and he doesn't offer he, them. He doesn't, but here's why: yeah. uh, his market hates him. So he he like he even said like they've offered it a few times. So they're mainly selling to boomer women, women over 50 and a lot of over 60, 65. He said when they offered it, they got pushed back not, and not many takers. And then even now, he said people will make orders and then call to say, hey, I'm not, that's not like an auto subscription, is it right? There's just one time order. Like, no, it's just one time order. So it's like, you do have to understand your market. Personally, I love subscriptions like, because I don't want to think about so like I get my cereals on subscription, my supplements are on subscription. Uh, so I, I think... For most people, it's great, but you got to... I think this also goes back to knowing your audience and knowing mm-hmm. do, what do they want. Most want subscriptions, but what mm-hmm. do they want? How do you communicate it clearly? You know, all those things are are super, super important. Yeah. And, and to, to that point real quick, um, I think that, you know, that demographic is used to getting um, taken advantage of as far as like getting yes. a phone call to get them to send their life savings over to whoever the heck. Um, and so that, and then then it's so hard for them to cancel. They don't understand how to cancel. So just afraid of waste, you know? Yeah. And they're not, they're not as tech savvy typically not to, not to generalize. And so, um, that's super interesting. So we have, um, some older demographic that purchased our product and we had issues with subscription too. And so we, um, I've got another app. I don't know how many we've got, you know, 75 apps. It feels like now, um, on Shopify. And this one, all it does is, is it's very, very clear and well-designed, um, notification three days before subscription, like, Hey, just a heads up, you have a subscription and this is what it is. And this is when we're shipping it out. And if you have too much, just click this button and it will delay it. If you you got on this by accident, just click this link and you can cancel. And so that has helped confusion a ton because we get folks that they would, it would just show up at their door, even though we sent a three day notification before and they would say, Hey, what the heck is this? I didn't order this. And, and, they did, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Subscription, yep. you did. Yep. Click the button. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think that's I think it's huge. And I, I think, you know, there may be still some some like this old school mindset that some people have where it's like, no, no, I want to make it really hard for someone to cancel because it's going to kill conversion stuff. But but no, you're just going to make people mad. Mm-hmm. And if someone feels confident and comfortable that canceling, adjusting, whatever is easy, they're going to be more likely to subscribe and more likely to be happy and refer. And, you know, just all, all your life will be way easier. Uh, and there's will be too, if you make that, uh, that, that process smooth. And you already paid to acquire them. And so if it's, if you can just let them kick the can down the road another four weeks before their next shipment, and then they go totally ahead and cool. reorder. Yep. Totally cool. No problem. Yep. I'd rather you do that than cancel any day of the week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Any, any new things you're testing from a, a CRO perspective, conversion rate optimization perspective, anything you're, you're testing or any recent wins or any, anything to, to highlight there? Um, not a recent win, but definitely testing, um, doing something, like I said earlier, counterintuitive, which is um, removing all product pages. Removing all product pages. <laughs> what do you mean? So, so just um, just having one option, which would be like, hey, here's our create your own. So we just started um, build your own bundles. And so you can pick uh. whatever flavors you want and whatever quantities you want, put that together and, 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 and leave. Um, I'm just kind of curious, like what if we got rid of all our product pages? And what if it was just this one build your own bundle page and you just came there and there's nowhere else to go and just pick your flavors and leave? I mean, that sounds sort of nuts, uh, it's, 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 but it, it, could be, nuts. 
it could be, it could be great. I don't know. Uh, uh, so yes, yeah, so you, you're rolling out that test now. Um, we have it. So we just um, got the bundle builder um, all set up and ready to go. And we're running some tests as far as like if people are using it um, yeah. with still keeping our product pages. Yeah. Um, but so one thing to know about me is I like drastic tests. Like I want yeah. information yeah. right now. And it's, it's a lot of times it bites me, but sometimes it's like, oh, well, we just figured it out. It took 24 hours. We figured it out. That mm. doesn't work. Don't yep. do that again. And let's move on. Instead yeah. of just like having this long drawn out test. It's probably not for everybody, but. Yeah, but man, I love that you're thinking that way. And I love that you're testing it. And, I, and it kind of reminds me, there's this exercise. Actually, uh, saw this again in a, in a Scott Adams book, the, the guy that wrote uh, Dil, the Dilbert cartoon, Dilbert. Yeah. Who, who would always say, hey, what if, what if the opposite is true? So this is, this is our long-held belief. Like this is, what, this is what we've been doing as a business. What if the opposite was true? And not that you would do the opposite, but just that you would question the opposite. And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll get brilliant breakthroughs. Or, uh, and I think this is kind of a cousin to that, well, let's do something kind of like a radical test, not with all of your traffic, not with your entire business, but let's mm-hmm. do a radical small test yep. and uh, and see how it does, which is which is super interesting. That's where all the that's where a lot of the innovation comes from, though, right? right. It's like um, when I was walking with the through the meat plant for the first time, I didn't know what any of the equipment was. I didn't I didn't know anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And so almost every question I asked, I was like, "Hey, I listen. I know I'm the automotive guy, um, but uh, this is probably a stupid question. But why do you guys do it this way? Like." Yeah. Over an automotive, like we would do it this way. And almost every single time they would say, oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, we, we, all, I was, we would always cut the meat. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess we, um, I guess we could do that. You know, every, almost every single time. Right. It's just because that's, they've been so close to it and they've been doing it for so long that they just, and so I love, I love what if we did the opposite? Like, that's the perfect yep. question to ask. Yep. 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 So cool. Awesome. Well, let's, let's do this. So, so uh, quick recommendation, then we're going to kind of talk mindset for a minute because I think it'll be really fun. And you and, you and I had a great uh, offline chats. So we'll talk, we'll go yeah. mindset. I do recommend everybody go check out Mission Meets and it is missionmeets.co. Is that correct? It is, man. Yep. So missionmeets.co. Uh, first of all, get some snacks, get them for the office or your remote workers or whatever. Just check that out. But it's also get on the list, like pay attention. I, and I say this a lot on the podcast, but it, it's, it's, one of the best things that I think you can do is follow smart marketers, follow people that are really good at what they do. So check out what Peter and crew are doing at Mission Meets. Uh, so let's let's shift gears just a little bit, uh, Peter. Let's talk. You and I had a, a great conversation, I think, before we hit record about mindset and about self doubt and about mm-hmm. you know just some of the the crazy things that creep up on entrepreneurs like us. They can get us down a little bit and 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 keep us from being as successful as we as we could be mentally and spiritually and business and all that. So, mm-hmm. so what, what, you want to talk about your recent experience and kind of some yeah. takeaways there? Yeah. Yeah. So Brett and I were talking about just before we hit record, um, you'd ask what else I want to talk about. And for me, I think that mindset's such a huge thing. And uh, I've been kind of infatuated with it since the beginning because I feel like entrepreneurship's a roller coaster. Um, it, it always is. It always has been. It's just, it's never going to end. Right. And so you have great days where you're on top of the world. And then the next day you're like, you feel like the dumbest person ever. And like things are just not working. And, um, this is why I've been like infatuated actually with the planner and just kind of documenting my thoughts and what I'm working towards. And so the down days, I can remind myself like, no, dude, two days ago you were super inspired and you were inspired (laughs) to do this. And this is what you're excited about. Don't forget dummy. Right. And I think we need that because we learn things and we quickly forget them. And so what I was talking to you about, um, earlier is that like on Monday this week, I was like, just having a down day, man. Like I just felt like nothing's working and even my wife was like, what's your deal? Like last week you were like on top of the world and super inspired. You were driving me nuts because you were like so on fire. 
and it's Monday and what the heck's wrong with you? Yeah. And the, the thing that I've learned over the years is like it only takes a couple of losses, right? It takes like something you were super excited about, like a new campaign, a new product you wanted to launch, something you were so sure, like this is brilliant, it's going to kill it, and then it doesn't. And you get a couple of those in a row and you're like, you know, the devil on your shoulders, like, hey, dummy. Yeah. You're, like, you're not you as smart as you thought you were. You're not yeah. as good as you thought you were. Yeah, you're like a that. fake, man. Like, you're a fraud. Like, you're an imposter. And I feel like we've all got that. And um, the thing is, is like, you're not going to eradicate it. Like, it's there, right? And, you know, being of, of the faith that I am, it's like, I know that that's just like lies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lies from the enemy. That's That's just like telling me these things that, are just not true, right? And it's okay for a minute, like wallow in it. You know, I had a Monday where I'm like, man, nothing's working. You know, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. But Tuesday I woke up and I thought, no, dude, this is BS. This is not true. A couple of things didn't work. And what can we learn from them, right? And sure enough, we made a couple of tweaks and we started to see not not like amazing, amazing like home runs, but glimmers of hope. Like, oh, okay, this needed a couple more tweaks. And it's going to need a couple more. And soon enough, you're going to keep turning those screws. And soon enough, you're going to have some wins there, right? But if you can't get out of that Monday, for me, the Monday, you're not going to find the Tuesday. You're not going to find the wins because you're just like wallowing in these lies, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love that so much. I think a couple of things that are encouraging here. One, a reminder that all of us deal with this, right? So mm. so Peter Awood is running a, a mission you know, mission-based uh, company and like killing it and doing so good and appearing on other podcasts and all this stuff. Like he has bad days too. Uh, yeah. Running successful agency. I have bad days too. I, I mentioned to you before we hit record and I already talked about David Ogilvy a little bit, but David Ogilvy, you know, one of the most successful advertising, you know, dudes of all time built, you know, one of the largest ad agencies of all time still going today long after uh, his passing. But I remember reading something, something, uh, a quote from him and this is during the height of his career he said, in the back of my mind, every time we close a new account, I wondered, is this the one that I'm gonna that I'm gonna drop the ball on? Is this one I'm gonna I'm gonna screw up? And I thought, well, if it can happen to David Ogilvy and he's just like top of the world, uh, it can happen to all of us, right? It's going it's going to happen. So I think one, it's normal. I think two, you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't take more than just a couple of failures to create all this self-doubt or questions or whatever. And I think it can also be lost in other ways. Like, so just something that that I've been kind of processing is, you know, our, our company is really growing and we're growing in terms of number of people. And a lot of that is really, really exciting. I love, I love investing in people. I love seeing our team grow and like see them grow individually. But part of this process of growing is me as CEO stepping, uh, stepping back and saying, I can no longer do this thing that I used to do and I can do really well. Or I've got to give up control of this thing. And, you know, my COO, Sarah's got to take more responsibility. She's doing great. But there's also like this feeling of loss there too. Like, I, I, I guess in some ways I had some identity wrapped up in that thing, that one mm-hmm. task that I did. I can't do it anymore. We're growing too fast. I've got to focus over here. And so I think, you know, that's caused me to like, I've, I've gone back to some Peter Drucker books effective executive and looking at some other stuff and like reworking my calendar and just saying, Hey, it's not supposed to be easy, right? Like that, if it was easy, then everybody would do it. And this is part of what makes the journey interesting. And so, so yeah, I think uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because we all need that mental retooling, that mental reset, whatever it is, whether it's changing our inputs to get better advice from people, whether it's just changing our self-talk a little bit, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's just critical. It's critical for success and health and enjoyment and all those things. Yeah. And I mentioned a planner. 
Yeah, what was the planner? Yeah, I was gonna, we're gonna ask so about that. It's called it's called the Legend Planner. It's just like I probably did five minutes of research and grab grab this off of Amazon, right? For me, it was just about the format and placeholders yeah. for certain things, right? And what's where it's helped me is like the days that I'm inspired, I write that down, right? Those are the things like this is who I want to be, like these are my dreams, like this is the person that I'm I want to become. These are the goals that I want to hit, like all these things. And so when I'm down, I can look and I can remember, like, no, dude, this yeah. is. Yeah. This is just like a, this is just a rough day. And you'd also said something too, before we started recording, which I think is super important. Sometimes it's just purely overwork or, under, yeah, or not getting something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, sometimes it's like, you're not having a bad day, bro. You've been working too long. Turn the dang computer <laughs> off right, and go right. chill out, man, or yeah, get, yeah. get 10 hours of sleep tonight right. instead of getting six. And then you like that sometimes is enough to just snap you out of it. Like you're not yeah. depressed. You're tired. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Love that so much. And one thing that I started doing, I don't think I've ever mentioned on the podcast, but a uh, five minute journal. And I oh. heard this from the Tim Ferriss podcast. It seems like it's maybe similar to what you're doing, but it's like, I've, I've got one here. Yeah. Yeah. Start the day with gratitude. What, do you, yes. what am I going to accomplish? And then at the end of the day, what are three amazing things that happen or three things you learn from or whatever. Uh, I've been doing that for about two years now. I still like my to-do list. I keep virtual uh, uh, digital because I did. That's just the way I, I like to work. But Same. that's something about writing stuff down. Uh, is is still really really powerful. So. Yeah, there's a there's an idea, there's a thought process of like planning from behind, and essentially what it means. Like I asked you a homeschool statement, but um, at night I write down just kind of like it, instead of having because there's I'm the same. I'm in the sauna all day long. Like all my to dos in there. I'm not going to write them down. This is stupid for me, right? Mm-hmm. And same for you, right? But um, for my Monday plan, I do it at at night, and it's like oh, mm-hmm. these are the things that I got done. That felt really good. And it's not like checklist from work. It's like, oh no, I like played kickball with the kids and yeah, we, went, yeah. we went swimming in the ocean and we, yeah. you know, like all these things. And it's like the same thing for as, as gratitude. It's like, oh, this was a really good day. You know, yeah, like I'm thankful yeah. for those things. Yeah. One of the simplest things you can do to, to increase happiness. And I think it's just so, so powerful. So that's awesome. I will link to that planner in the show notes. I'll also link to the five minute journal. Really good stuff, man. Peter, this was, this was a blast. I'm really glad you carved out the time. Glad you made this Thanks happen. And glad you also pushed to, to go beyond. You know, I say, say kind of tactical and kind of strategic on this podcast a lot, but talking mindset, it was a good little, little addition. Uh, added some flavor to this podcast. It was really fun. So awesome. thank, thank you, you, my friend. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. So we'll have to do it again sometime. Uh, with that, uh, we'll, that will do it for this show. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Our listeners love feedback. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, And if you haven't already, we'd love that review on iTunes. That helps other people discover the show. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.